What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with a right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard-run pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk on 88.1. My name is Jeff Longville. I will be the host of your show today for the final time, as today is my farewell show. I have a plethora of analysts joining me today, but currently joining me right now, we have the unsung hero of WZIP, Dan Groen. How's it going, everyone? And the new WZIP Promotions Director, Logan Congrove. How's it going, Jeff? Congratulations on your last show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, We have a packed show for you today. Dan has prepared another edition of NFL Jeopardy. That's right. I'm very excited for that. We also have Hot Mike, and we're going to touch on the Browns and the Guardians. Uh, The first segment, we're going to touch on the Browns, but before we get started... Logan, I have a surprise pop quiz for you. Oh, yeah? Are you ready? Okay. Now, this is a question that you should be able to answer with pretty much no difficulty. You're very qualified to answer this question. Okay. But if you get it wrong, you are not allowed to say the phrase, heat culture, the entire show. Okay. I already like this. Are you ready? All right. All right. Who is the last Miami Heat player to win Defensive Player of the Year? That would be... I'm deciding between two people. I'm going to go with... I think I'm honestly wrong. I'm picking the wrong of the two, but I'm going to go with... Bam Adebayo. That is incorrect. I knew it The correct wrong. answer is Alonzo Mourning. So wow, you, it's been that long. That's not even who I was thinking of. <laughs> who else were you thinking of? I thought maybe Hassan Whiteside might have had one. No. In that one random year when he was good, but okay. Well... Nope. Alonzo Morning back in the year 2000. Wow. So it's you been are, a while, man. Mm-hmm, you're not allowed to say heat culture the it's entire tragic. episode. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm was, sure Dan's happy sad. as well. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into uh, the main topic of segment one. Uh, last week, the Browns played the Philadelphia Eagles in their second preseason game. The Eagles won 21-20. Uh, as you guys are both Browns fans, what were your guys' reactions to this? You know, this game... And pretty much the whole preseason, I've been very impressed with Josh Dobbs. I think that he has outperformed Jacoby Brissett, quite honestly. Do I think that Jacoby Brissett still starts week one over Dobbs? 
I unfortunately think that that will be the case. But just looking at how athletic Dobbs has been, you know, he went from someone who, you know, we're thinking, all right, he could be a solid practice squad guy to, wow, he's probably the best quarterback that we've seen this preseason. So I'm hoping that uh, he replicates that success in the uh, regular season if he gets any playing time. Um, yeah, just been, I think that's the player I've been most impressed with. Definitely have been most impressed with Josh Dobbs as well. The consistency is something that I haven't been expecting, and I don't give a nod to these people a lot, but I am going to give a nod to the Pittsburgh Steelers here for developing Josh Dobbs. It shows the kind of consistency that the Pittsburgh Steelers have in, within their organization, and we're lucky to have Josh Dobbs on our roster now, which if you guys didn't know, he is a literal rocket scientist. That yeah, is what really? he, he is a rocket scientist. That's what he graduated from college with. Yes. Wow. And... I think he definitely has been outplaying Jacoby Brissett, but I don't think that we're going to give him the start over Brissett. I think one preseason game doesn't show us enough of Brissett, and I don't think Dobbs can handle himself against like the big guys. I yeah. think he's still playing a lot of preseason players that might not even make the team. I wish I wish he would have played a little more with the starters um, because I think that he he looked great against what he was playing against, but you know you do want to see that against some upper level talent. Uh, but, yeah, thank you, Pittsburgh Steelers, for letting him go and keeping Mason Rudolph. We really appreciate you for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for me, I thought Dobbs looked good, too. 14-20 to 20 for 141 yards and 47 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. But what stood out to me that wasn't so good for Cleveland was they were only 4 of 12 on third down and 2 for 5 on fourth down. So that's definitely what yeah. plagued them there in that game. And then last night, the Browns took on the Bears in their final preseason game and also lost... 21 to 20 or your guys' thoughts on that you know i think that this game is indicative of something more than just talent because all game long no matter who is on the field it seemed like we could not stop getting penalties it, it seemed like every other play there was a flag on the on the field and it's just alarming when you know no matter who's on the field they're committing as many penalties as they did so that's kind of alarming but there were a couple bright sides uh, as well a couple players that really stood out to me were the receivers Javon Wims and Mike Harley Jr. I think that not Anthony Schwartz. Uh, we'll get to no, that. <laughs> not him. Surprisingly, um, but in, on, in all honesty, I think that these two have at least made a case that they should be on the roster. If not, hopefully they make it to the practice squad. Hopefully they clear waivers because I think that if they do end up making it through the waivers, I think some team is going to end up picking them up. Uh, but I've been impressed with those two as opposed to Anthony Schwartz, which I can, which I guess we'll get to later. Uh, but uh, any other thoughts on that, Logan? Absolutely. I think that those receivers are impressive as well. I was going to touch on that. I'm going to touch on the people that did not impress me in this game. I never want to see Josh Rosen go on the field again for the Cleveland Browns. I don't think he should make the roster. And if you think I don't like that guy, man, I don't like Anthony Schwartz. That guy cannot catch the ball to save his life. I don't care who is throwing to him. Nobody can make him look like a good receiver. The amount of times that that dude is wide open and just drops the ball or simply runs the wrong route, I can't stand watching him. I don't care how young he is or how much potential he might have. Not worth the roster spot, in my opinion. What I I don't like is how... Afterwards, Kevin Stefanski said that he is in no danger of losing a spot on the roster. That's so dumb. Makes no sense. I actually don't believe him. I think that Schwartz is going to be cut. And I think that there are we're – very, we're very thin at receiver, but I think that there are definitely some guys who have 
definitely made a name for themselves and proved that they're much more reliable than Schwartz. Yeah, I was thinking that whenever I would watch uh, Anthony Schwartz, he seemed to be playing like he his spot was secure. Like he wasn't playing. Yeah. Like he wasn't fighting for a position like other guys were. Yeah. That's how it appeared to me. And I think for a coach to tell a struggling wide receiver in preseason that his position is locked up and he can't catch a football, I don't agree with him him telling him that. Right. But, um, for me. Uh, to start off the game, I thought uh, Chicago's offensive line started off poor, but they found consistency as the game went on. And then Justin Fields went 14 of 16 for 156 yards and three touchdowns with a wow. passer rating of 146.9 OHIO. Um, I know that the real starting defense wasn't out there for the Browns last night, but there were a lot of guys that are expected to contribute. Mm-hmm. And they didn't seem to look very good as they let Justin Fields put up 21 points in the first half. You guys got thoughts on the defense that was yeah, out there? Yeah, I mean, the Ohio State fan of me is optimistic that Justin Fields actually looked pretty decent and wasn't getting obliterated too much. I mean, at first, he looked like he was under pressure for a little bit there, but I was definitely impressed with him, and I hope that he can really pan out to be a successful mm-hmm. quarterback in the NFL. But when we're talking about the Browns' defense— I was not super impressed with them. Granted, it was a lot of second and third teamers, so it's not real. I don't think that that's necessarily too alarming uh, because there definitely were some standouts. One of them, actually, I'll, I'll name a couple of them. One of them I was really impressed with was DeAnthony Bell. He was undrafted. He's a safety, and he just looked like an absolute threat in the box. He looked like someone who we could definitely use situationally when we're trying to blitz because... Or if nothing else, maybe on special teams because he just looked really good uh, for his role. Also, I was impressed with Jordan Elliott. It looks like he's stepping up to be maybe our number one defensive tackle. And also Alex Wright, our rookie, uh, I believe, what was he, a second-round pick, third-round pick? One of our top picks in the draft. He's turning out to be a really solid defensive end. I think that he could easily make it as the fourth defensive end, maybe even third behind, obviously, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. So even though we didn't look great, I think a lot of players made a name for themselves, like I've been saying, uh, and I think that this defense is going to eventually be really good once all the starters see the field. I would agree. Okay. Um, So I know that they were playing against lesser defenses, but I thought that both Josh Dobbs and Josh Rosen looked more impressive than Jacoby Brissett did last night, which is a concern, obviously, because Brissett is supposed to be the guy Mm -hmm. who's going to get you through your first 11 games. But then again, in a real game, he'd have Nick Chubb in the backfield. He'd be throwing to Amari Cooper and not Anthony Schwartz, hopefully, Um, but still hasn't looked all that good, in my opinion. Uh, Do we see... Um, if Brissett is to struggle within the first couple of games, do we see a QB change potentially happening? Also, I wanted to back up what I said earlier. Josh Rosen had a good game last night, but I just don't I don't think that he's like a right, serviceable yeah. quarterback no, to I keep would, on I the would, roster. I would agree with that. He did good in his two drives, yeah. Yes. But going back to your question, it it definitely is concerning, especially when you see um like Jimmy G is probably gonna get cut. If they don't trade him, which no team seems to want to trade for him, I think he's going to get cut, and I think that the Browns should seriously consider bringing him in because at the absolute best, well, at at the absolute worst, I think he is about as good as Brissett. And I think at best he is, I know you're not going to like this, Logan, but I think he's as good as Baker Mayfield. 
um, like on an average day for him. So I, I think I don't hate that. I don't hate that take to be honest. I don't see. I'm not going to get into the Baker slander, but I will say, <laughs> like Brissett is a backup quarterback. Yeah, which is the way I personally look at Baker. I know you guys don't, but I think Baker is a backup quarterback. Although, again, he's been playing great right now as well, so I'll give him that. But I think you're right. I think he's not that much of an upgrade from Baker Mayfield. But, yeah. And so where I was going with that was it doesn't matter if Baker Mayfield, if he's an upgrade over Baker or not. It's What matters is what we have now. And I think that uh, Jimmy G is better than anyone we have in our quarterback room right now for as much as I like Josh Dobbs. And so I think they should seriously consider bringing him in even though they brought in Brissett for a reason, they have Josh Dobbs for a reason. You have too much talent on this team to punt away this year again. You know, we can't be like, all right, well, next year, because who knows if Chubb is going to be the same running back, because you know how running backs right. come and go really mm-hmm. quickly. So I think they should definitely look into just seeing what's best at quarterback. And I think that a lot of people will probably disagree, but I think that I, I would rather tap into next year's rollover cap to save the season than just punt away the season again. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Browns quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson hasn't played since the Jacksonville game, the Browns' first preseason game. He had, like, I think three drives. Mm-hmm. Uh, hasn't played since. Do you think that, even though he'll be out till week 13, do you think Deshaun Watson should have gotten more action in preseason? Um, mm. I, I, I'd say maybe he could have gotten another, like, drive in game two. Mm-hmm. Um, but we paid him as much as we did because we know he is a special talent. And he's not going to see the field for many weeks, so he still might be rusty around then. Um, but I, I also don't hate the fact that we are giving Brissett and Dobbs and Rosen as much time as they possibly can on the field because really more like three-fourths of our season relies on them. So we definitely want to see what we have in them more than what we get out of Watson like you know, months before I can even play. I'd second that. I think that it's better to give looks to guys that we are going to have to rely on right now, presently, instead of Deshaun Watson, who, like you said, is out until we play the Texans. We know the way Deshaun Watson plays. We don't have to evaluate him. Like Dan said, we paid him all this money because we've seen it. He was an NFL MVP candidate the last time he played for the Texans. I don't think there's anything left for the Browns to really evaluate. They wouldn't have traded for him and made, signed him for all that money if they didn't know the kind of play that he has in him. So I think it's, I agree, maybe one more drive just to like kind of get used to the playbook, but there's no point in wasting your time on someone that is not going to be doing anything th- until week 13. I agree that the other quarterbacks should have gotten a lot of time, obviously. But I wouldn't have minded seeing Deshaun go out there again just to feel good about himself and to look good for the Browns because yeah. against Jacksonville, it was an ugly performance, to say the least. Yeah, and, and I and I don't expect him to play like elite Deshaun Watson right out of the gate against Houston. I mean, right. I think that that's a good game for him to come back and show that you know he's one of those top quarterbacks because Houston, for as much as I love Davis Mills, you know they're not really a threat. Um, but yeah, I guess... I don't know. I, I guess, kind of going back to what I was saying, I guess it's better knowing that um, that we had some of our backup quarterbacks and stuff playing as much as they could. Mm-hmm. So now that the preseason for the Browns has wrapped up and it's time to cut the roster down to 53 guys, who are some guys that you think the Browns should keep uh, during their final roster cuts? Some of the guys that stand out to me, number one, not Anthony, uh, not Anthony Schwartz. <laughs> uh, he's going to be one of my cuts. 
Um, but going for some, talking about some other players, like I was saying, D'Anthony Bell, I think he could definitely make it in. Um, I think that we'll be in a, a position where we can keep him and Richard LeCount, but if I had to choose between those two, I would almost give it to D'Anthony Bell. Um, looking at the defensive line, I think that Isaiah Thomas, a seventh-round pick out of Oklahoma, I think he has a pretty good spot there. I would put him ahead of like Curtis Weaver and even Chase Winovich, which I think has been pretty disappointing so far. Uh, so those are some of the notable makes that I have. Um, I guess if we're talking cuts, did we get to that yet? Um, yeah, you can throw that in there. Yeah, I guess, I guess when we're talking about cuts, definitely Anthony Schwartz. Um, a lot of good tight ends out there. But I feel like Miller Forrestal is probably not going to make it unless uh, Johnny Stanton's really hurt um, and is ha- has to go on IR. And then I would say probably Herb Miller. I don't think he's going to make it either just because of how deep our defensive back room is, even though he had a couple really good plays in the preseason. But those are some of my big notable cuts and notable uh, makes to the team. I think my two most notable potential cuts are going to be Drew Forbes off the offensive line, and I think Jamarcus Bradley's probably going to get cut as well. Both of them, like we, Drew Forbes, we've seen him for so long, and I just don't ever see any improvement. And our line is already at a point where we're not really relying on him anymore, except for the center position. That's that's an issue right now, but yeah. he doesn't help us there. And Jamarcus Bradley, there's just too many wide receivers on this roster ahead of him. So David Bell, Amari Cooper, um, Those are the two biggest names, obviously, but there's multiple guys, I think, that are going to make the roster over Jamarcus Bradley. And I hope, I'm agreeing with Dan, I think Chase Winovich has been really disappointing. That signing was really good to me, and I've seen nothing out of him the entire preseason. Yeah. Um, For me, I don't have anybody specifically who the Browns should keep uh, after their final roster cuts, but I do think they need to keep some depth at center. Mm-hmm. Uh, due to J.C. Treader announcing his retirement. I thought that Treader could be someone the Browns could pull out of their back pocket if they needed to, but with him gone, I think keeping some depth at center would be ideal for them. Uh, yeah. Let's transition to a topic that Dan is going to enjoy very much and Logan is not. Yeah, Baker Mayfield was named the starter for the Carolina Panthers for Week 1 Who versus seen that the Cleveland Browns. Thoughts on this, gentlemen? I mean, I don't know why this is a surprise to some people. He is clearly better than Sam Darnold and anyone else they have in that quarterback room. Um, He is going to be very hungry. Week one, he has been pretty impressive in the preseason so far. So I know, Logan, you're not going to like this, but I think he's going to perform pretty well against these these, uh, Cleveland Browns who, you know, they're... They live. They left a little to be desired in the preseason. I think that they're going to come out struggling. I think I had us winning week one, but now that I see how good Baker's been doing in preseason and how much Jacoby Brissett has been struggling, I I want to say that he's going to come out with a vengeance and perform really well against the Cleveland Browns week one. I'm going to give Baker Mayfield props. He has had an impressive preseason, and I do think that he is better than Sam Darnold at this point. Correct decision for the Panthers and Matt Rule there. However... I don't like Baker Mayfield. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Is that why you really. Didn't wear the jersey today? So I'm never to. wearing that, dude. That's not happening. But well, you bought it like twice. I did have to buy it, and DHGate did mess up. If any DHGate you know, representative is listening right now, please send me a confirmation email. I did get a Panthers one, and it is kind of cool. I do kind of want it, but that's not. That's beside the point. <laughs> I think there's no chance that Baker Mayfield, with the worst offensive line in the league, I've said this over and over on podcasts on the show, 
there's no chance he's outrunning Clowney and Miles Garrett that whole game. He's going to be on his back at some point and more than once. But like Dan said, good for him. He did he did earn that starting spot, and I think he's a better quarterback for the Panthers right now. And I've I've said uh, I think on last week's show that I think week one is going to be an ugly game. I think that our defense is going to get to Baker Mayfield, like you were saying. I think that. Uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, Jadavian Clowney, and Miles Garrett are going to really be after him. Uh, but I think that we're really going to struggle on offense. So I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring, ugly game there. But I'm hoping that – I hope the best for uh, for Baker Mayfield, but I hope he doesn't beat us. Yeah, um, Baker didn't have the best competition to compete with in Carolina, but still won the job. And I think it's a good way to get his confidence back after mm-hmm. being let go by the Browns. And I think that Baker Mayfield will also be motivated for Week 1 against his former team. And I, I think with no Watson starting and with the game being on the road, it is going to be a really close game. So, Dan, you said that you think you have Carolina now, correct? Yeah. I mean, I want to choose the Browns, but every single year I always am over-optimistic, and I always think, why am I ever optimistic about this team? So um, I think I'll have to change my mind and go with the Panthers week one, which changes my season predictions. I think I had them very, very boldly, optimistically going 10-7. and seven. I think that turns to 9-8. and eight. Okay, and then, Logan, you have uh, the Browns one. I am one. sticking with the Browns just okay. because purely Miles Garrett and Javon Clowney. There's no way Baker Mayfield's going to be able to get around that the entire game. The Browns' defense is just too strong for the Panthers' offense. Uh, I think if they shut down Christian McCaffrey, if Christian McCaffrey doesn't tear his ACL again in the first two plays of the season like he does every single year, it feels like, um, if they can cover DJ Moore and honestly Robbie Anderson as well, then I think that they'll be okay. Our corners are they scare me a little bit, except Denzel Ward. But we'll see. I think that the Browns defense will be able to handle it. And like Dan said, very low scoring because I don't think our offense is going to be as promising with Jacoby Brissett under center. You know, I'm quite comfortable with our corners. I think that Martin Emerson, or MJ Emerson, I think is what he goes by, has been really impressive. I think that he, if we use our three cornerback sets, I think that moves Greg Newsom to the slot, and then he gets boundary. And I think he's going to adapt pretty well there. So I'm not real concerned about our corners, quite honestly. Um, what what I am worried about is how efficient our offense can be with Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me... I am going to take the Panthers over the Browns week one. I do think Baker will be motivated and will mm-hmm. come out on fire. I do think the Browns defense will harass him, but I think the game will be close throughout, and I think Baker Mayfield will get his revenge. And the last time the Browns won a week one game was in 2004. You know, so I you was, guys were like, what, three? Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was watching. They brought that up uh, at the game last night, and Butch Davis was still the coach. For the Browns at the time, which just goes to show how long it really has been. And that's embarrassing. If Butch Davis was our last coach to win week one, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Not a whole lot of good. No. Um, right before we go to break, let's talk about a division rival for the Browns. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are looking into uh, Mason Rudolph, tr- uh, trading Mason Rudolph, or other teams are calling the Steelers and asking about potentially trading for Mason Rudolph. Do we think it would be a good idea for the Steelers to shop Mason Rudolph? I have a question. What teams are calling the Steelers about Mason <laughs> maybe, Rudolph? Maybe the what Seahawks? team is so desperate that they're calling about Mason Rudolph? No, I mean, the Steelers should absolutely get rid of him. He's terrible. 
I don't know oh, no, what. Please keep him by all means. I mean, yeah, honestly, from a Browns fan's perspective, sure, keep him. Give from him an, max extension. <laughs> from an NFL perspective, what are they hanging on to him for? It's unbelievable to me that any team would actually waste anything on Mason Rudolph. That's crazy. Yeah. So, for me, I actually, if I'm the Steelers, I am not going to shot Mason Rudolph this season because I'm a fan of having your rookie quarterback sit their entire rookie year. What about Mitch, though? Well, so, the reason I say that is, let's pretend, hypothetically, Mitchell Trubisky gets hurt. I would rather the Steelers put Mason Rudolph out there than throw Kenny Pickett into the fire all of a sudden. Hmm. And potentially, you know, risk him getting hurt as well. So I would rather throw Mason Rudolph out there to finish out the season and then store Kenny Pickett for the future. You know, I don't necessarily hate that, but I think that just goes to show that the Steelers need to address that offensive line. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to be put in a position where, let's just say, Mitch Trubisky goes down and you're stuck between a rookie who you drafted in the first round who you might not be comfortable with uh, playing versus some guy who probably would like be a borderline practice squad player. That just goes to show how bad that offensive line is if you don't have confidence in your first round quarterback right out of the gate. If you know, hypothetically Mason Rudolph or uh Mitch Trubisky goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well we'll see what the Steelers do with Mason Rudolph and we'll see how the seasons play out for both the Browns and the Steelers. We are going to head on our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the best sport that there is, baseball. So don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk here on 88.1. And now joining me for the second segment, we have the current WZIP Sports Director, Jake Murren. Baker Mayfield to go, guys. What's going on? And the best Zip supporter that there is, was, and ever will be. Patrick Weber. Let's go Zips. Always and forever. (laughs) Before we get into baseball, we are going to preview the Zips' first game against St. Francis, which is this Thursday, September 1st at 6 p.m. Guys, what are our thoughts for Akron versus St. Francis? It's going to be an ugly game for St. Francis. Uh, I have some uh, close friends of mine that actually work for the football team, work with them. And apparently, according to them, Coach Moorhead has no intentions of putting in our bench the entire game. Really? He wants to make a statement for the college football world that Akron football is back. So we're going to watch an absolute slaughter of St. Francis on our field. And I am so excited to watch it. Akron football is back. Jack, Akron football you? is indeed back this Thursday at 6 p.m., at InfoCision. You know, last season, the Zips finished 2-10, and 1-7 and seven in the MAC, and got shut out in the game for the wagon wheel. This season, though, there's a lot of excitement surrounding this team. Regardless how you feel about the logos, uniforms, and field, it's still a fresh feel. And with a new head coach and Joe Moorhead, they're primed to have a bounce back year. The Zips finished 106th in total offense in the entire NCAA last season. So I'm excited to see how Coach Moorhead leads this team. All eyes for me are going to be on the play calling. DJ Irons, Tony Grimes Jr., and other wide receivers who will be new for the Zips. And, of course, that offensive line that was abysmal last season for us. This is a really good first-week matchup against the St. Francis Red Flashes as well. Last season, St. Francis finished 5-6 and six with wins over very small schools. And one of their six losses last season was against Bryant, who the Zips beat last year. So my prediction, 31-17, Zips, 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 all the way. Go Zips, baby. Only 31? 
I have 31, a skidding. 17. I was also told that uh, apparently Coach Moorhead wants to add another digit to that scoreboard during this game. So I'm 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 saying it like it's gonna be it's gonna I, be an ugly game. I admire the confidence, but um, listen, we're back. That, that's what needs to be established. Is we're back and we're bringing the wagon wheel back to Akron. Um, yeah, I think that it's gonna be a good first game for Joe Moorhead as the as his in his first game as Akron's head coach, um, and a good first test for the team in general taking on an FCS school at home. Um, as we all know, Akron football has not been great these past few years. Uh, so this is a good way to establish some confidence and some rhythm before heading on the road for three tough opponents. And I am expecting, after one week of play, I'm expecting the University of Akron to have a better record than Kent State, as Kent State is at Washington week one. How does that, how does that sound, guys? I love to hear it. As long as Kent State loses, I, I'm fine with life. <laughs> when Kent State loses, I win. Even just being ranked ahead of them for one week, we'll take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and hop into as what I as I referred to it as uh, at the end of last segment the best sport that there is baseball. We all know how much I love baseball, right? You know it is, dude. You know it is. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, let's go into our MLB Player of the Week segment. Jake, I will start with you. Who do you got? Well, I certainly know who isn't my MLB Player of the Week. Aroldis Chapman hit the IL yesterday after getting a leg infection from getting a tattoo, and he's sporting a 4.7 ERA this season. So Chapman, nowhere near my Player of the Week. Sheesh. My Player of the Week, I did this a couple weeks ago. I believe, Jeff, you were on that show. And I asked Alex what team Mackenzie Gore was on, and he had no idea. You ended up looking it up and telling him it was the Padres. So my Player of the Week is George Kirby. And I want to ask you, you guys, want me to, okay. do you know what team George Kirby plays for? Don't look at your computers. Don't look at your phones. Don't look it up. Just rapid fire. Give me a what team. Because I think last time he played for... Mackenzie Gore played for the Padres. Right now he's on the Nationals because of the Juan Soto trade. Well, right. But I think when you asked me, he didn't play for an actual MLB team, whoever you asked me. They play oh, for. well, that was, I don't know if that was last week because it was a minor league player. This yeah. is not a minor okay. league player. So I'll he does, that. Play. He does okay. play for an MLB team. Uh, so, Pat, you don't know the answer either? Uh, I do not. Okay. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and go with the Tigers. I'm going to say <laughs> the Marlins. You are both wrong. And to be fair, of course. I didn't even know this man until <laughs> I saw the stat and why he's my player of the week. So he plays for the Seattle Mariners, actually, the team we're playing right now. Oh. He's a pitcher who set an MLB record on Wednesday as he started the game by throwing 24 straight strikes. Kirby exited the game after pitching seven innings. He only gave up one earned run and walked away with nine strikeouts as well. I do have an honorable mention for my player of the week as well. Oniel Cruz, he hit the hardest hit batted ball in StatCast history for a 122.4 mile an hour single. Cruz beat Giancarlo Stan's record of 122.2 miles an hour last season. You know, Cruz is a speedy, powerful six foot seven shortstop who most people think is going to be the next big thing in the MLB, and I have to agree with most people here. Wow. How many straight strikes you said? 24? 24 straight strikes wow. to start the game. That is impressive. That That is beyond impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat, who do you got? So, I'm keeping it in the land for this one. I feel like every time I come up are. to do it, I feel like every time we do our player of the week, his name is always in there. But Jose Ramirez just got his career high in RBIs with 106 last night. This man has been carrying us. We're still first place in the AL Central because of him. So, the homer in me just 
screams Jose Ramirez. Very, very nice. Uh, mine is probably not as impressive as your guys's, but I have Shoyo Otani of the Angels for getting nine Ks in seven innings versus Toronto last night. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Jake, uh, the Guardians are taking on the Mariners right now. Uh, they lost on Thursday 3-1, to one, lost on Friday 3-2, to two, won last night 4-3, to three, and tonight they play at 4-10. Do we see the Guardians even, evening up this series tonight, or are the Mariners going to win 3-1? Yeah, this has been a very competitive series all weekend long. And this could very well be a wild card matchup here between Cleveland and Seattle. That loss on Thursday was really a low blow for us because it was one swing of the bat, three-run homer in the first inning. And then the Guardians had no answer innings two through nine. The loss on Friday, also just a loss you don't want to see, a game that you want to win. It went into extra innings, and Classe gave up the hit to Hanniger. And we did win last night. Um, obviously, Ramirez recorded his 106 RBI of the season, like you said, Pat. And Plesak, you love to see it for Plesak, finally getting some run support, and he picked up his first win since June 5th as he improved to 3-11. and 11. It's been a rough year for Ooh. Zach Plesak. And the Guardians also broke the Mariners' 51-0 to zero streak when having a lead after the seventh inning. Today's game, though, Aaron Savali's on the bump. His last outing went 4.2 innings pitched, four hits, one earned run. I had four Ks. It was a good start, but it wasn't a quality start as he didn't get far into the game. And he's taking on Robbie Ray, who's been up and down all year. His last outing, he only gave up one earned run in 6.2 innings of, of working. I'm going to go with Robbie Ray here and the Seattle Mariners. I think they're going to pick up today's game at 4-10. I hate to say it, but I think Savali is just the inferior pitcher to Robbie Ray. I completely agree. Uh, Looking at the pitching matchup, Robbie Ray definitely walks away with this one. One of the better pitchers in the MLB for sure. Uh, Sitting right now with a home record of 5-3 for him with an ERA of 2.69. He's just just better than Savali. I just think that Robbie Ray is going to walk away with this Uh, with this one, but I do think this game will be closer than what a lot of people are thinking. Okay, Um, and then after the game versus Seattle today, uh, the Guardians take on the Orioles and the Mariners again, and those series are both all at home. How do we see those series playing out, guys? Yeah, I think Jake Marina Goat and I are going to be fighting on Twitter. Uh, It's (laughs) going to be a tough series. How are you going to handle it? I don't know, man. It's going to be a tough week. You know, Baltimore is fighting for a playoff spot with us right now, and they've played much better recently than they have before the All-Star break, or at least in the beginning of the year anyways. And as we learned from this weekend series, Seattle's no joke, and they just re-signed their rookie star Julio Rodriguez to a monster 12-year, $210 million contract that could become a 17-year, $300 million contract. And the Mariners have serviceable veterans with some great pitching. So we'll have to play well and compete in the next weekend series. Honestly, it's kind of a tough stretch for the Guardians. Hopefully we can obviously win both of those series and keep our spot atop the AL Central. I completely agree. I think uh, we have a chance at beating the Orioles in the series, but then going right back to facing the Mariners. I think us seeing the Mariners like so frequently in the next few weeks is good for us because we're more than likely going to match up with them when it comes time for the playoffs if we keep our number one spot. So... Um, I just like seeing that matchup more and more. I think we're going to learn a lot from those few games, and hopefully we can beat them when it comes time for the playoffs. Yeah, uh, hopefully everything works out well for the Guardians there. Uh, and now it's time for our Around the Rue, where we debate around the table and then bring it to you guys. Uh, last week, 77% of you guys said that the Cavaliers were going to win between 40 and 50 games. I'm okay with that. Uh, this week's question came to us via 
Jake Murren, he came up with it. And the question is, what is the worst unwritten rule in baseball, as in which unwritten rule that exists is the dumbest? Correct, Jake? That is correct. Okay. Our four options are, you cannot swing at a 3-0 pitch, no crazy bat flips, position players can't pitch, and don't bunt to break up a no-hitter. Jake, I'll start with you. What do you think the worst unwritten rule in baseball is? Yeah, for sure. I'll start. Like this whole idea was sparked from last week's show because we were talking about position players pitching with Alex and Dan last week, and they went off on this whole unwritten rule thing in baseball. So I thought it would be fun this week to do an around the root question and get our fans' thoughts on what's the worst unwritten rule in baseball. And for me, out of these four options, I throw two of them out of the window right away. Position players aren't allowed to pitch. To me, it's not even really an unwritten rule for me. It's something that comes up every once in a while, and honestly, I don't have a problem with it. And then also, don't bunt to break up a no-hitter. For me, I kind of like that rule. Of course, if you're the opposing team and you're getting no-hit, or if the pitcher is throwing a perfect game, if you're in the bottom of the ninth, two outs against you, you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history, and you're willing to do anything to get on base. And if that includes a bunt, go ahead and do it. So those two, I'm indifferent on, but I don't think they're as bad as not swinging at a 3-0 pitch or no crazy bat flips. I can't stand the the narrative that batters can't swing the bat if it's a 3-0 pitch. I can't stand that at all, but... I'm ultimately going to go with no crazy bat flips because, to me, bat flips bring electricity and excitement to the game. Of course, my favorite player on the Cleveland Guardians is Josh Naylor for a reason. It's because he's the most electrifying player on the Guardians, if not the entire MLB. He hits home runs. He headbutts Tito on his way into the dugout. He's an amazing player. And, of course, he doesn't bat flip, but if you look back in our history of the MLB, you know, Jose Batista, er, he was just so infamous for those bat flips and just getting rid of those or just not being able to do that and not being able to celebrate properly after hitting a home run makes no sense to me. No crazy bat flips is my answer for the worst unwritten rule in baseball. I completely agree. I was about to bring up Jose Batista talking about that. But no, I completely agree. I think having bat flips brings a little bit of electricity to a game that, quite honestly, a lot of people would consider to be boring. So I think having that ability to celebrate with crazy bat flips brings like a freshness to baseball. So I think that, obviously, that's definitely the worst unwritten rule. Yeah, I would have to agree. To me, like most of the time, bat flips come when you hit a home run, correct? Uh, yes. So, to me, hitting a home run in baseball is the equivalent of mossing somebody in football or dunking, somebody, dunking on somebody in basketball. And when that happens, those players are allowed to show emotion. And I think emotion should be allowed in sports. So I think no crazy bat flips is definitely the dumbest unwritten rule in baseball. I think you shouldn't be punished for showing emotion while playing the game that you love. And that is going to wrap up our baseball segment. As it is my final show, this past week I was able to sit down with a very special guest. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and now sitting down with me is the former sports director of WZIP, The Wild Thing, Kyle Molinari. You Kyle, remembered my nickname. Of course I did. Oh, that's so sweet of you. I hope everybody else remembers. It's good to be back up here. I got a lot of memories walking down that broken brick road, um, parking in my absolute terrible gravel parking lot and having to scuff my forces every step of the way here you know you didn't have to roast the entire university i what did i tell you when i came when before you we planned this what did i tell you i was going to do 
uh, something about... I was going to bury everybody. Right, I'm no yeah. longer a humble human being right, leading, humble. leading this team. I right. am no longer humble. So right. I, I am a big shot now. I work for iHeartRadio. Uh, self-plug. But, you know, I'm here. I remember my roots. I always wanted to come back. If I'm welcome back, and thank you for having me, Jeff. It is an honor to be here mm-hmm. on your last Sports Power Talk. I remember your first Sports Power Talk. Do you? Not really. We're, you were on my first Sports Power I Talk. I probably was, because right. at that time I was on everybody's first Sports Power Talk, because I was literally right. training everybody from the ground up. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I saw something special in you. I saw how much you cared, and I'm thank very, you. very much excited to be here and celebrating the life and times of Jeff Longville. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so... The first thing we're going to do is we're going to play a little game, Kyle. I love games. So, I have chosen 10 players on the Cleveland Browns roster, your favorite football team in the NFL. Uh, I love hate relationship well, okay, currently, right, but right, right. I digress. But, um, so, five on offense, five on defense. Okay. Your job is to guess what college those players went to. Okay, so you're trying to make me look stupid right <laughs> off the bat. Because you know my weak spot is college sports, even though I still work for the University of Akron. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. I, I thought it'd be entertaining. That's fine. And I'm setting a benchmark for you. Okay. Seven out of ten is your benchmark. Seven okay? out of ten, okay. Mm-hmm. So the first guy Not we got... Not even 500. I can't... Nope. Okay. Nope. Seven I, I have higher expectations for Okay, you that's fine. 500. So the first guy we have, Nick Chubb. Uh, Nick Chubb went to Georgia. Correct. Next, Amari Cooper. Hmm... Okay, in this game, am I allowed to ask for hints? Uh, sh- I'll give you one hint per player. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'll, I will take a hint on this one. I'll try to take as less hints as possible. I'll take a hint. All right, let me try to, let's see. What's a good hint for Amari Cooper? It is It is a powerhouse. It is a perennial powerhouse. I don't think it's any of the ones that are currently ranked. But I could be wrong, obviously. I'm... My knowledge of college sports is well documented. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's not Clemson, is it? No, uh, it is not. It no. is Alabama. That, okay. Mm-hmm. See, those are the two I was going between. Mm-hmm. Next, David and Joku. Ah, Chief, my man. Ah, <laughs> oh, where did you go to college? You couldn't give me a J, okay? <laughs> We're not on defense yet. Oh, yeah, that was, but that's a softball. I know that one. Uh, so my hint for Ninjoku is, so I wouldn't really call them a powerhouse anymore. They're, they've been getting better, but for a while they weren't really relevant, but they were really good in the early 2000s. Mm. USC. No. Darn. Miami. Ah, see, that makes sense. Up next, Joel Batonio. No idea. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, no idea. Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, yeah see, I, I wouldn't have guessed. I was not even going to guess it. Poor Joel. And then the Love final the guy. Right. The final guy for offense, Wyatt Teller. <sighs> Wyatt Teller. I'll take a hint on this one. All right. So, in other sports, Notre Dame is in the ACC. Mm-hmm. It is an ACC school. Okay. Hmm. See, you know, I don't appreciate it. You know, I like to, uh, I thought we were going to come up here and have like a nice, like, reminisce conversation about this. You didn't tell me anything we were going to do, except mm-hmm. it, like, right. hey, this is going to yeah. be easy, except we're going to talk about Ohio State Notre Dame later, but, eh. Spoiler. Uh, it's whatever, man. I don't know. I give up. 
There we go. Mm-hmm. Couldn't click it. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Now on the defense, this one, you should get this one. Miles. For the record, none of them are in college anymore. So Correct, I just want to right. go, on, go on point and say this is a useless argument just to make me look stupid. I wouldn't call it useless to make you look stupid. Um, the first guy, really easy, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Oh my God, where did Miles Garrett go to college? You don't know where Miles uh, Garrett went? I for, totally for. Oh, Texas. No, Texas A&M. Oh, I forgot the A&M. See, I know it was a Texas school. Up next, Jadavian Clowney. Oh, God, this dude's old. Where did he go to college? <laughs> so, okay, my hint for Jadavian Clowney. In a bowl game versus the team up north, okay. the team up north was given a first down even though they were short, whatever. The very next play, Jadavian Clowney bursted through their offensive line, hit their quarterback so hard that his helmet came off, he fumbled, and he recovered it. And he recovered it. One of the most famous plays in college football history. What team was J.V. Clowney on? You realize none of these hints really help me, right? What do you want me to do for hints? I've, nothing at this point. It's, hey, it's your show, man. I haven't been here in a it's while. It's SEC so. school. How about that? I give up. I don't care. South Carolina. Okay. So you got you got one. <laughs> I listen, man. I'm past the benchmark at this point. Yeah, I'm just here. I'm it. just here to have a good time. <laughs> Up next, you seem confident earlier. Jeremiah Owosu Cormoa. V. Notre Dame University. That's gross. Don't like that. But wearing a shirt. But yes, you are right. Up next, Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward went to the Ohio State University. I like that you added the too. I like that. I gotta be fair if I'm gonna take pot shots. Unlike you, I know you're not gonna be fair later. So I'm always fair. Yeah, I don't know. And the Browns' first draft pick from this past year's draft, Martin Emerson. Hmm. I'll take a hint for this one. Um. Okay. So it's not really a powerhouse. It's an SEC school. They've been kind of inconsistent over the years. It's where Dak Prescott went. That doesn't help you. <laughs> I don't know what else. It's it's in the South. Um, uh, let's take a wild guess. Uh, Tennessee. No, no. It is Mississippi State. Mm. Oh, that's fine. All right. Can we get to actual stuff? So you went, be... you went three and ten. Uh, that's fine. Congratulations, hey, hey, You know what? Bud. Three and ten. That's uh, If you go three out of your last ten and you play baseball, that's a good That's good. Well, this isn't baseball. But... Well, you know, it's the true sport of America, so. Nah, I, I mean, sure, but... You know I don't like baseball. Yeah, but was, go uh, Astros, fair, baby. Fair enough. This is your show. I'm just here. That's right. All right, Kyle, now it's time to argue. On Saturday, September 3rd, 8 p.m., your I get to talk about the Notre Lame right, Fleeing Irish What'd are you traveling fleeing to... Fleeing Irish? That's right. They're fleeing? traveling to You're talking about Columbus, the AP preseason Ohio. poll number five ranked team in the nation with a rookie head coach? Huh? You 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 called them. I said fleeing? what I said. I Whatever. Said what I said. Okay. You guys are traveling to Columbus, Ohio, to take on the Ohio State University in a top five matchup. I know your prediction for this game, but go ahead and tell the people and tell them why. Here's the okay. So first and foremost, I'm not naive. I just like to really mess with you, Jeff. Um, and you are very serious about your Ohio State Buckeyes. I am. You're very serious. That's why I wore a Notre Dame shirt to this recording. I should have never let you in the building. Because I knew it was going to mess with you. And I thought it was going to be funny, and I got a good <laughs> laugh out of it. Here's the thing. I'm not naive. I realize Ohio State is a powerhouse. They're not going to go anywhere. Um, they they had some ups and downs last year. They could have made it in the college football playoffs. 
but I think the loss to Michigan really hurt them, and the loss to Oregon in the year really hurt them as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think Notre Dame should be a top-five ranked team, to be quite honest. You have a rookie head coach. You lost your starting quarterback. I don't think you are going to be ready to compete with those other four teams up there in Alabama and Ohio State who are one and two. So I don't think they should be number five, first and foremost. I'm not naive. Okay. I do, however, think you guys are going to walk in here and sleep on the Irish, and they're going to sneak up and put some points on you early. I do think that's going to happen. How you guys respond is going to be the question, because this is going to be the same thing with Oregon that could possibly have happened this year, which would happen last year. So my mindset for that is I think that we learned from last year because we did do that uh, against Oregon. And I think that given that we beat the team out north eight straight times, we thought, oh, we got this. It's fine. But then obviously we didn't. Um, so I think that the mindset of And Jeff, um, by the way, who told you that you were going to lose? You did, but you you just said it. You didn't have evidence to back it up. Did you have evidence you were going to win? Wait, I didn't win, no. Exactly, but, but you were very confident in thinking that you were going to win. I was. Exactly. I was, but I, I digress. Um, I think the mindset of Ohio State this year is going to be more of, uh, all right, we need to stay focused the entire game. Let's not disrespect our opponents. Let's actually treat them like they are, you know, like in Notre Dame's case, a top five team, according to the poll, obviously. On paper. So let's play this game. Let's not lose focus or anything. Let's go out and play a complete game of football. So then, are you saying that you have Notre Dame winning this game, or you have Ohio State winning? This so game? I am not going to predict a winner or a loser because I there's one thing that that is really it is the rookie head coach that's getting in the way of that, and I don't know 100 percent because when Brian Kelly left, the whole the whole university rallied around him, so. There's a whole lot of fluff and filler going around in the Notre Dame up in South Bend, Indiana. There's a whole lot of fluff and filler going around. Very much excited. But when you get on the field against a powerhouse like Ohio State, can't say it's... Because you might go out there, you get smacked in the mouth. Because mm-hmm. that can happen. I'm not naive. But I do think... Putting it down to brass tacks, uh, Ohio State will probably win this game. I like um, it. However, I, like it. I don't... Th- I don't think you should sleep on Notre Dame's chances. Um, Ohio State has a tendency to sleep on opponents. And you saw that. Hear me out when I say this. You saw that when you didn't even start your star quarterback against the Akron Zips last year, and you got scored on first. You just love bringing that up, don't you? It's facts. You can't argue with the stats, man. You got scored on first by a football team that was not good. Yeah, and happens. in your home stadium as well. So if you go out there and just think you're going to be, oh, Ohio State, puff your chest out. The Ohio State University, we're the Buckeyes. Nobody going to touch us. You guys are going to get, there's going to be a counterpunch. And they're not the Akron Zips. They're Notre Dame, one of the most storied universities in college football. We've only played six times in the history of college football. Notre Dame has won two. You've won the last four. One of those in 2006, one of those in 2016. I think 2022 could be a year the Notre Dame Fighting Irish could win. Okay, um, so... You didn't think I'd come prepared for this, did you? No, you're ready to walk all no, over honestly, me. Honestly, I was prepared for you to just say Notre Dame was going to win and give me all those reasons. That's not how I roll, buddy. Not. That's not how I roll. I come prepared, loaded with the chamber. <laughs> so, 
I don't think we're going to walk into this game with the mindset of we're Ohio State, we're going to win, because I think we learned a lot from that last year. I think we are going to take you seriously, and I would agree. If we sleep on you, you're a top-five team. You, If we were to sleep on you, you'd probably win the game. So I don't think we're going to sleep on you. I do think that the game could be close, but I do have us winning. We're projected to have the number one offense this year in college football. I think C.J. Stroud is going to win the Heisman this year, and I think... It could be a close game, but I could also see it being, I don't want to call it a blowout, but us winning by two possessions or more. Well, let's put it in perspective. Uh, if you look at, if you're into betting, which I am. Uh, <laughs> not in the, Ohio, though. Not yet. Not start, yet. Of, start of 2023. That's, that's when we're getting to the knee deep of it. Uh, so the money line is minus 700 for Ohio State, which means for all you uneducated people out there on the betting side, you have to put down $700 to just win money back for That's Ohio a lot of money. State. So you are obviously the favorites. There is a 16-point spread in favor of Ohio State and a 58.5 over under. So ESPN thinks that it's going to be a shootout. Or he just thinks that Ohio State's going to put up numbers on us, which I don't think is going to happen. I think Marcus Freeman walks in, has a good showing, but ultimately falls short in the horseshoe. Again, I'm not naive, but I am hopeful. So Irish I, blood. I'll agree with that mindset you have there. You're, you're not exactly confident, but you're hopeful. I'm not going to say I'm not confident because I know exactly what's going to ha- happen down in Columbus. You guys are going to walk down there. You guys are going to get pumped up. You're going to drink your own Kool-Aid, and <laughs> you guys are just going to say, yeah, you know what? We're Ohio State. We can do this. And that's where we're going to punch you. But what mouth. happens when we do do it? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. You guys are going to get too overconfident. No, I'm saying like, what if we what if we are, but it works, and we come right back in the second half? Mm, okay, there's four quarters for a reason. <laughs> All right, well, Justin Marcus Freeman. I I have never been more excited for a regular season Ohio State football game other than against the team up north, obviously, than right here. See, that's how overconfident you are. You won't even say Michigan. No, I won't. You it's won't ugly. even say Michigan. It's an ugly. Um, word to say. I hate it. I can think of a bunch of ugly words, which I can't say on air. Well, we should put that word on page five. Ah, we stop should. it. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's end Let's end on a, on a super happy note here, Kyle. Okay. Um, I just want to say thank you for everything that you've helped me with during my college career. You became my best friend that I made at the University of Akron, and it's hard to put into words what you've meant to me. I remember joining WZIP and being very shy to get to know people and scared to be on air. But I always felt comfortable talking to you, probably because you were director at the time. And you took me under your wing and helped turn me into the on-air personality and the person that I am today. I've had a lot of great memories with you, from you taking me to my first media event at Cavs Media Day in 2019, where I spoke to my first athlete, Darius Garland, um, to going to the banquet this past year in matching outfits, to all those late-night FaceTimes we've had, to destroying everyone in cup pong, I really appreciate everything you've done for me inside and outside of college. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for everything you've done for me. And I love you, man. Oh, my friends. Uh, I greatly thank you for those kind words. But this isn't about me. This is about you. Um, Let's run down the resume for uh, Jeff Longville. Um, Jeff, from the moment I saw you, I noticed how much you cared about sports and how much you wanted to succeed. I saw that potential in you, and I knew I couldn't let it go by the wayside. That's why I took you under my wing. 
even if I wasn't qualified to take somebody under my wing, I still wanted to do it because I saw the potential in you. Nobody, I've been on record saying nobody has worked harder to get from where they were when they started this to where you are now. I couldn't be more happier as a friend, as a peer, and I would consider you a brother, little brother. Thank you. And I couldn't be more proud of you, and I'm super excited to see where you go from here. Thank you, man. really appreciate that. Go on record. Nobody works harder than Jeff Longville. Nobody. <laughs> Except um, me. Now that, now that Kyle's blowing all your guys' ears out, let's go ahead and get back to Sports Power Talk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk on 88.1. My name is Jeff Longville, and joining me is Logan Congrove. How's it going? Good. And... Pat Weber. Hey, UA. Hey, UA. I like that. I like that. School spirit. Let's go. We are now into our third segment, and it is time for Hot Mike. You guys ready to answer some questions? Yes. Oh, yes. All right. First question from the man we just heard from, Kyle Monelli. Since the, the Miami Heat did not win the NBA Finals, there was a mutual uh, there was a mutual agreed upon wager that has never been paid. <laughs> Where is my money, Logan? Kyle. <laughs> that bet was on the Akron Zips winning the MAC, and you, as a Zips grad, betting against the Zips is pitiful. Jay Karen, Abby Stopka, Chris Kepler, and Jeff were all witnesses to this Zips bet. Now, Logan, and there's video of the Logan, Zips yes, bet. Logan, there, I don't, there is video. Oh, I'm not done, Jeff. I'm not done. <laughs> I'm not sure where you pulled the Miami Heat bet from, but it doesn't exist. The amount of times I've heard about this fake, non-existent bet is stupid. I can't believe you sit up there broadcasting for the Zips every single week, and you think they're going to lose. How does that make any sense? That's a disgrace. That's an absolute disgrace, Kyle Moore. Logan, there there is a video that prove I, it. Then I, I ask all the time. No one shows me the video. Someone prove it. I, None of you have proof. Someone prove hold it. Hold on, hold on. I took the video. Then I, prove I, the I, video. I will send it to you. I will send it to you. After someone prove it. I've asked a million times. If someone can prove it to me, I'll pay the bet. But all no right. one can prove it to me. Every time I I is brought up. All right. I will, no one can I prove will, it. I will send you the video when we go on break. I do. Sounds good, it. man. I think sounds good. I think but we nobody, just got a new part of our intro for this <laughs> only game. Why nobody to be is ever able to prove that bet exists. I've asked oh everybody for the video, and no one has <gasps> the video. I've seen the Akron Zips one, which, like I said, disgraceful that you would bet against the team that you sit up there and broadcast for. But hey, it's all love. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> calm down. It's not that big a deal. Oh, and oh boy. The second question he has is, why are y'all in Baker Mayfield gear today? Well, you see, Kyle, they were supposed to, but they're I'm not. I'm doing that. I was not informed. I, You were. I told no, you. No, I was informed. I just chose not to. Mm. Well, the reason that you guys were supposed to be wearing Baker Mayfield gear today is because why? I know you know the answer to this. Because you and Kyle beat Logan and I in Cup Pong at mm-hmm. your grad party. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hurts, but yeah. One, one of these days after I'm gone, you guys are both wearing those Baker jerseys you guys ordered. I said I would. Logan, maybe, maybe Give the H Gator ring for it. me and we'll right. talk about it. Right. Um, up next, we have a question from Crowl 12 Do you think Stephen Kwan will win a Rookie of the Year or a Gold Glove going off Going off of his current stats this year, Pat, this is a question for you. I I really want to say yes, 
but I don't think he will because I think uh, Julio Rodriguez of the uh, Mariners will will win that uh, just simply because he's having a better rookie season than Stephen Kwan is. Stephen Kwan is having a very, very good season, like a very solid season. Don't get me wrong. I just think that J-Rod is far superior, and he will win Rookie of the Year for sure. Okay. Uh, nice question from Cam. How many fantasy leagues is everyone in? I... My, my league has not even drafted yet, so I'm in one, but technically zero as of right now. How about you guys? I'm in WZIP Sports. I'm in my family's league. I'm in a league with my buddy Tyler that goes to Bowling Green. And I'm in a friend's league with, I think, 12 people with just an assorted different people that I know. Sheesh. So I'm also in the uh, WZIP league, obviously. I'm also in my fraternities. Fantasy Football League, and I'm in three separate ones with friends from back home, just like assorted leagues. Okay, uh, next question, also from Cam. What is the story of how you got into your favorite team in one of the big three sports? As an Ohio-born guy oh. liking mostly Carolina teams, I get asked, I get that asked to me all the time. Uh, so I will start, most of the teams that I root for are in Ohio, where I'm from. Uh, the Denver one is different. The The way I became a Broncos fan was when I was younger, I wasn't really into football all that much. Like, my dad would turn it on, and I would watch it, but I would never take it upon myself to turn on football. And then uh, eventually I started to get more into it, and we would watch the Browns a lot, obviously, because my family, they're Browns fans. And then I started to watch other teams, and the one team that caught my eye the most was Denver back when they had Peyton Manning and Demarius Thomas, RIP, DT, uh, Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, all those guys. So that's that's how it happened. Uh, but everything else was just because I live in Ohio. That's respectable. Thank you. For sure. All right, Logan, I know you want to tell this story again of how you became a Heat fan, but... So I've actually told this story like four times, so I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it again. Uh, Cam, I'll give you a different response. I'll talk about a different sport. I'll talk about... I'll go with I'll go with the Browns. That works for me. So obviously, I'm a Browns fan. I grew up here in Ohio, and I always enjoyed watching it with my grandpa and my dad. And obviously, every once you're every little kid in Cleveland has a Browns jersey. Depending on your family, like if you were born in Pittsburgh, live in Cleveland, that's different. But like everybody's got that first Browns jersey. I totally remember mine. Mine was a Colt McCoy. Browns jersey. That's the first one I remember, I should say. I'm sure I had ones when I was even young. I know, man. (laughs) But I've always just enjoyed watching them through all the heartache and all the pain. And it's it's good to bond with other people about it. And I enjoy watching it with my family, especially my grandpa, who's extremely into the Browns. I respect it. So for me, obviously, I'm a big fan of all the Ohio teams except for one. And that would be that I am a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. The reason I'm a Steelers fan is growing up, there were three main teams in my family that people kind of fought over, and it was the Bengals, the Steelers, and assorted Browns slash like Jets fans. A little, a little weird in there. Um, but growing up, it was kind of like obviously everyone in your family wants you to be a fan of whatever team they're a fan of. So growing up, I had three first football jerseys. I had a Carson Palmer Bengals jersey, a Mark Sanchez Jets jersey, and a Ben Roethlisberger Steelers jersey. And growing up, I would say my family up here in Northeast Ohio, they had a big influence on a lot of my sports life. And uh, my aunt and uncle, who I know they're listening, um, they're such big Steelers fans that they actually have a corner of their house that's like a 
We call it the Steelers Shrine because it's all black and yellow with anything Steelers you can think of. Um, and just getting a chance to watch uh, Steelers football with my dad and my uncle because they were both born and raised in Pittsburgh just made me a fan of the team while like everyone else was kind of like forcing me to do it. I just really clicked with them. It was a lot of fun because I didn't get to come up here very often growing up as a little bit of a drive from my hometown. But when I did get to come up and I did get to watch Steelers football with my family, it was one of the things I always looked forward to. And I think that's the reason why I just became such a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Very nice, very nice. Um, and then the last question that Cam asked for right now, if you could commentate one sport forever, which one would you and why? I would probably have to go with football simply because it's my favorite sport. What about you guys? I'm going to go with soccer. I know that's an obscure answer. Um, I've grown up with soccer with my dad being a coach my entire life. Uh, I work for the Walsh Jesuit women's soccer team. My PA announced for Hudson men's soccer in Hudson, Ohio. And I just I love soccer. I understand how to commentate soccer. I've done it for Hudson multiple times. And both of those teams are teams I'm very proud to watch. So I'm, I'd definitely go with soccer. I would definitely go with college football, and the only team that I would ever commentate for is our very own Akron Zips. <laughs> what a surprise. Live and die by the Zips, baby. Now a question from at Jake Murna Goat. No. Thoughts on KSI getting two boxing wins in one night? I'm going to throw that one to you, Pat. I'm going to be honest. I don't really follow KSI. so I follow him a little bit, but that's only because he is an Arsenal supporter. So main reason, number one, I follow him a little bit. Two wins in a night, I mean, it's impressive, but at the same time, I mean, like, when I look at KSI Box, it's not like he did what uh, Jake Paul did, where, like, at first it was like, oh, just YouTubers boxing, but then it actually transformed into something. KSI just kind of does it as, like, a pub- like a little publicity stunt, so I'm kind of indifferent about it. Like, it's, it's cool that he got two wins in a night, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying that, like, when it it's just a YouTuber fighting, I don't really hone in on that very often, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, back to Cam. Should the Pro Bowl change its entire format? If so, what is your suggestion? I really want to see contests, mainly a long throw contest. Here's what I've been saying for years. The Pro Bowl is ridiculous. Nobody wants to watch it at all. I think the Pro Bowl should just be people named to a roster. There's no game. Forget that altogether. The quote-unquote Pro Bowl should be replaced with the two worst teams in the NFL and the loser gets the num- or the winner gets the number one overall pick. Instead. I would honestly love to see that. That would be really I like cool. that idea. That I can't really stand cool. the Pro Bowl, and I don't think anybody cares to watch it. So replace it with something that people will watch and people will put real effort into. So every right. year we would just be getting Atlanta Falcons taking on the New York Jets. Because those will be the two worst teams in the NFL this year. I'm holding out hope for Detroit. <laughs> I'm going to be honest here. I'm holding out hope for them. Yeah, I like that idea, Logan. I, my initial idea was to just have the Pro Bowl involve tackling, but... I know you don't want to get anybody hurt, but at the same time, I don't want to watch televised two-hand tap football. I don't want to. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't want to watch something I can just go out on a Coleman Commons and watch. Right, <laughs> like yeah. I don't. Like yeah, cool. They're they're NFL stars, but at the same time, it's like really, right? Like watching. I think it was last year. I think Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt combined for a sack, <laughs> like a strip sack or something, and but it, it was, was just, just like, a, ding. yeah. T.J. Watt basically just came up, slapped the ball to somebody's hand was downed and then Miles Garrett just picked up the ball and basically just walked it into the end zone. I was just like, cool, sack, I guess. Right. I don't know. It's just kind of, it's like watching like peewee, like little kids play and it's just kind of boring. Yeah. Um, Another question from Cam. Do you guys ever watch racing? I love when commentators focus on the fan fave back in ninth place while a battle for the lead is happening. 
I have never watched racing so in my entire life. I've actually so, no. recently been getting into Formula One because my manager at Ralph Lauren, Ray, is super into it and always talks about it, and I want to be able to start understanding it. So shout out to Ray for that because I actually seriously enjoy watching it now, and especially because Audi's getting a team, too, from what I've gathered in 2024. I, it's interesting to watch. I'm not a big NASCAR guy, but Formula One I am getting into. Yeah, I don't really watch racing too much, but kind of like you, Logan, I have been paying more attention to Formula One, mainly because one of my good friends from back home in Springfield, he's been watching it a lot, and he's starting to get me hooked on it. So shout out, Zach, if you're listening. You got me a little bit hooked, but other than that, like, I don't feel like I know enough about racing to right. add anything on to the question. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, question from Aaliyah Craig, a.k.a. Jake Murn's girlfriend. Start, bench, cut. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Start Tom Brady, bench Peyton Manning, cut Drew Brees. Completely agree. Yeah, that's completely yeah, that's, agreed. That's I feel like, too. yeah, that yeah, because mm-hmm. Drew Brees. Don't get me wrong; he's a phenomenal quarterback. But I mean, you're putting up up against Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Right. I yeah. don't think that's very fair. Uh, like three man rotation yeah. right there for Drew Brees. Yeah. Now, if you were to do something like. Tom Brady, but then like say like Philip Rivers and then Drew Brees, it'd be like okay now. Yeah, then you got to debate between Philip and yeah, right, yeah. But I, I mean, at that point, just yeah, yeah. Uh, from Jake Marina, go. What NFL oh. draft player are you most excited to see? Oh so, boy, I don't think, ask Pat this. question. I think everybody already knows my answer, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to NFL young boy hitting the field. 100. percent George Pickens, oh. the future MVP, How future greatest receiver it? of all time. Make the sound that you made when we hung out the other day. What? When you say his name? Oh, Pickens. Yeah. That, that, that's Pickens. Pickens. Yeah. Or like when I got really excited when I actually got him in our draft. I was so mad. So excited because. Marcus Anderson kept telling me to wait to pick him because I was going to pick him purely for content purposes just to make you mad. But then I and then you him. picked him early, and I was like, no, because there was like <laughs> there was like three picks where I was like, I'm going to take him now, and Marcus was like, no, no, just wait, just wait. And every time I waited, here comes Pat takes him, and then all of a sudden you that just podcast go, is going to be fantastic. Games. By the way, make sure you check it out when it comes. Now out. that podcast is going to be incredible. Some pretty interesting stuff happened. I think Logan, you can attest for sure as you. You were witness to some of the stuff that went down. So, but getting back to the question, <laughs> I'm most excited to see. Honestly, this is tough for me. There's a lot of players that I'm excited to see. My answer is going to be Garrett Wilson, regardless of who his quarterback is. I think Garrett Wilson is such an exciting wide receiver, and I think it'll be really great for him. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Uh, I have a, it's a toss up between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, both from Ohio State. Both going into interesting uh, scenarios with their respective teams, so I'd say those two guys. I also, as a side, if he were to play, big time on Malik Willis for the Titans. Yeah, he's. I he don't think solid. that Tannehill stays the starter the whole season, and I think Willis. Malik will Willis take has over. been lighting it up, and he's been making some impressive plays. Again, I wanted to take Malik Willis, but no. Why would you have taken Malik Willis? Oh, you mean the Steelers? Yeah, like, no, not, not in fantasy. I, I mean, like, what's wrong with you? He's no, I mean, like in starter. real life. Like, I, w- I wanted Malik Willis if we were to take a quarterback. Okay, I didn't okay. want Baby Hands Pickett. <laughs> That's the man I'm not looking forward to watch play. I don't, I don't like Kenny Pickett. Um, another question from at Jake Murna Goat. Very important question, gentlemen. Why is Jeff Longville such a goat? I think it's simply put that you just are one. Okay. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at Jake Myrna Goat, I am a goat because you asked the question, 
you put the spotlight on me. That's all I need in life. Um, a question from Pat himself. Yeah. Uh, what, what is your? <laughs> I dropped the question. Yeah, I know you guys are surprised, but I dropped the what question. What is your second favorite NFL team and why? I'm gonna let you guys. Uh, so for me, that. it's. I guess I'm gonna go with the Bucks just because Tom Brady plays for them. It's fair enough. Second favorite team, don't have one. Go Browns. Really? Nope. No point. I have a second favorite team. That's the New York Jets. <laughs> All right? Okay. And that's because... <laughs> shout out that Mark Sanchez jersey and Mark Sanchez poster I had growing up. <laughs> Mark pick six Sanchez. Let's go Jets, baby. Uh, next question from Jeff, not me, another Jeff. What style slash vibe of professor is your favorite? As in reading, rate my professor, what sells you? I think for me... A more laid-back style of professor, but not, like, super laid-back to where it's, like, I'm not learning anything, but laid-back enough to where, like, I go into a lecture, I know they're going to teach me what I need to know, I know that they're going to grade fairly, but at the same time, you know, if I can't get something turned in, like, by the due date, if something came up, they're not going to be like, well, I don't right. accept any late work, so whatever. They're going to be like, okay, we can give you, like, a day extension, or I can reopen something for you, so you can submit this work. I think right. that's, like, the best style to have is, like, about, like, a more laid-back, but also they still know how to make sure you get your stuff done. I would say I need somebody that is very good at explaining things and very tech-savvy. Like, I don't know how to explain the tech-savvy thing, but you have to be able to communicate. You have to check your email. I need... I myself am not great at school sometimes, so I need as much explanation as I can get. I need it in detail. And I would say, honestly, the two professors at the University of Akron that have ever... I've only been here three years, and one of them was fully online, so I don't really count anybody I had that freshman year. But I would say the two professors that have best benefited me at this university thus far are Juan Contreras, who I've had for intro to uh, media industries this semester, and I had him for multi-platform production my sophomore year. And Gary Knapp was my basic math two professor, and both of them have satisfied everything that I'm looking for. Um, for me, uh, I'm along the same lines as you, Pat. I want a professor that, like, is serious and is, like, wants to teach students the material, obviously, but is understanding when, like, say, my internet goes down or I had a family emergency or something, and, you know, they'll extend uh, due dates and stuff like that. So something like that. Back to at Jake Mernigo, what is the best Pop-Tart flavor? This is probably the most important mm. question we're going to answer all day. I got to I got to think about this. I'm going to kick it to somebody else cuz I got to I got to think. Mine is uh the fudge ones. I like the fudge. Really? Okay. I like the fudge pop tarts. I respect it. Um the brown sugar cinnamon ones are a very close second for me. I think I think brown sugar cinnamon might be my number one. It's but a solid that's just pick. because it's I feel like it's the re- like most reliable pop tart right, out yeah. there so. You man, he's going to I'm already waiting for this response on Twitter. I do not like Pop Tarts. What? Ooh. How? I just Honestly, don't. I can, none of them. <laughs> none. They I, just are not my thing. They I, just I they they taste so dry and stale. Even if you like prepare them the way they're supposed to be prepared, I just can't. So get if you them. need a quick breakfast, like you're out the door, what do you go? What's your go-to? Nothing. Nothing. A protein shake or nothing. I haven't had genuine breakfast unless I like go to like my grandma's or something in a very long time. Okay, so then you can Or can't. if I have enough time, I'll swing through McDonald's and get, like, an Egg McMuffin. Tell me I'm wrong, but Taco Bell's breakfast is looking oh, better no, than no, McDonald's. Taco Bell's breakfast is superior. I would agree. I would agree with I'm that. I'm going to be honest. But Pop-Tarts are not in my 
food inventory. <laughs> well, and I'm already refreshing your Twitter page looking for the recipe. <laughs> so. Well, you're not gonna you're not gonna help us with this. Yep, next there question. it is. Logan, you a whole L. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Hope you have a good rest. <laughs> I love that. Um so Logan, you can't help us with this next question also from at Jake Murnigo. Oh boy. The worst Pop Tart flavor. I'm gonna be honest, I hate the blueberry Pop Tarts. I really? just don't like them. I like them. I, I, just, I don't think I don't they're. Know. I don't have a Actually, bad. Actually, no. Take that pop back. The Fruit Loops pop tarts. Okay, you are, know what? Yeah. They are vile. They just taste. He like says chemicals. W. Pat, so he agrees. <laughs> All right. Um, I would say from the ones I've tried, probably I'm honestly going to agree. And I don't like the ones that like taste like they try to like put candy flavors and stuff. And I'm like, no, bro, just leave that there alone. There are some that are interesting. Like I know they made an Eggos one, which that's honestly, weird. That's, that's, that's it, how do they even do it that? Sounds the weird. No, no, it sounds weird, but it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. I would say any of them that are like try, they try to like make a like a candy flavor or something weird, or the blueberry. If okay. I, I'll also say if I absolutely had to eat one, like my life depended on it, cinnamon. There okay. you go. Um, I have not had the Fruit Loop one, but. I just have no desire to even try it, so I'll say that's the worst one. Um, from Kelly Craig, MLB Rookie of the Year. Here you J-Rod. go, Pat. Definitely J-Rod. I mean, he has been on a tear. He already got that huge contract from the Mariners, so I think he's taking home Rookie of the Year. No questions asked. All right. Um, from Logan Buchanan, our uh, music programming director here at WZIP. Shout out, Logan. What was the best year for Cleveland baseball? I, I'm going to go 2016. Unfortunately, we did fall short that year, but I'd have to go 2016 with just the way that team would light it up on, on and off the diamond. Got to give it to them. All right, and our last question from Zips Barstool. What Akron sport are the boys in the booth most excited to see this year? Football, football, football. We, we're really good in every other sport, especially soccer, but I think I'm most excited for football to see how this team it's going to come out and perform. Close second, though, is soccer. Akron has the best college soccer atmosphere in the entire nation, and you cannot change my mind on that. I got three. Obviously, football. We're winning the MAC. I said it. We're, it's happening. We're definitely winning the MAC. We're beating Kent State. We're getting yeah. the wagon wheel back. Football, you got to say, is the most exciting, especially with the season coming up on Thursday. Uh, I would say second, for me personally, I'm a big woman soccer guy since I know a lot of the girls that play on the women's soccer team. I help with women's soccer at Walsh Jesuit. So I'm a big women's soccer guy. Shout out Morgan Pence. Uh, it's going to be – I'm actually interviewing here, her here coming up shortly, so stay tuned for that at some point on SPT Overtime. Not sure of the date yet. And obviously men's soccer as well. Best team in the entire nation. There's no question about it. About it. Shout out Zips Barstool. We appreciate your support here at WZIP. I, as the promotions director, really appreciate it. Go Zips. Go Zips Barstool. Go all, go all Zips Athletics. And don't forget, Monday night, 6 o'clock, VCU taking on Akron. <laughs> Fill the hill. Fill, Fill the, the hill. hill for the first game. Bring that same atmosphere that we have had for our entire existence back season after season. Bring it in. Get loud. Fill the hill. Let's go Zips. So for me, I'm going to go with football as well. I think the hiring of Joe Moorhead is going to turn over a new leaf for the Akron football program, and hopefully in the next coming years, uh, the product that is on the field is better than what it has been these past couple years. Well, we got rid of the only issue with the team, <laughs> with Tom Arth. So what you're saying is, is you're optimistic. Optimistic? Opti- 
I'm the one that said we're going to win the national championship over here. <laughs> so you're way too optimistic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We'd love to see it, Pat. Um, on that note, we are going to head into our final break. When we come back, we'll have NFL Jeopardy with Dan Groen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk here on 88.1. My name is Jeff Longo, and now joining me for our final segment, Jake Murren. Baker Mayfield of GOATS, and I'm going to get really exposed this segment, everyone. Um, I'm sorry, just first off, I'm, I'm sorry. It's going to be bad. <laughs> All right, and the host of NFL Jeopardy, Dan Groen. How's it going, everyone? I can't wait to test everyone's knowledge again. Uh, it seemed to be a hit last time we did this, so I'm looking forward to this. All right, so go ahead and start us off. What are our categories, Dan? All right, so how we're going to do this is you guys are going to just raise your hand just so we're not yelling over each other. Whoever raises it first, they will get it. And if you get it wrong, I'll send it to the other person. Uh, we won't, like, subtract scores. We'll just keep adding them, I guess. Uh, just keep it simple. So our categories are modern-day superstars, all about the D. We're talking defense, of course. Uh, biggest bus, famous does, and head coaches. All right. So, Jake, I will actually send it to you first. All right. Um, let's go modern-day superstars for 100. Okay. Now, if you heard me right in the Fantasy Football Podcast, you may get this one. This wide receiver holds the NFL record for most receiving yards in his first two seasons. I'll throw a name out there. Yes, go ahead. I'll go with Devontae Adams. That is wrong. Yeah, I I knew it would be. Um, I knew it would be. I'm going to say, is it Justin Jefferson? That is correct. Justin Jefferson. Jeff gets the 100. So, Jeff, it is your board now. Um, I'll go modern-day superstars for 200. All right. This running back is currently third all-time in yards per carry by running backs. The all-time record holder also played for the same franchise. Can you say it one hey, more can time? Can you repeat that? This running back is currently third all-time in yards per carry among running backs. Yards per carry, okay. Third all-time. Yes. Can I ask you if he's an active player? Modern-day superstars. <laughs> okay, okay. I didn't yes, know he's I, active. I was running down the score. I'm trying to keep track of the scores here, so I did not hear the category. And then you said the, the all-time leader for... The all-time leader played on the same franchise. Uh, Jake. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is correct. Now, let's go. I will give you an additional 200 if you can name who the all-time leader is. Jim Brown. Wrong. Wait, what? It's not it is Jim not Brown? Jim Brown. It is actually Marion Motley, who predates Jim Brown. Okay. He is the all-time leader. How many leader. points was that worth then? So you got 200 there. Right. I won't count that one against you. So, Jake, it is your board. All right, let's go all about that D for 400. All right. This seven-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle won Super Bowl 37 with the Buccaneers and is second all-time leader in sacks by a tackle. So I, am I allowed to answer before he, he answers? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's anyone. Is it Warren Sapp? It is Warren Sapp. Correct. You got 400. Oh, yikes. All right, Jeff, um, I'll Warren. go head coaches 100. All right. Let's pull that up here. This two-time New York Jets head coach might be more well-known for a success with one of their divisional rivals. Is it Bill Belichick? Yes, it is Bill Belichick. Okay. I didn't see a hand raise there. Okay. I'd like... Uh... <laughs> All right, yes, we will start raising My hands bad. now. Okay. My bad. I got too excited. I got 100 too excited. again. All right, uh, Jeff. I knew uh, this would go up. 
I don't even know the score at this point. <laughs> we're just we're just having fun here. It's six hundred, Jeff, two hundred me. Okay. Modern day superstars, I want five hundred. All right, we will go 500. This offensive lineman is the only player at his position to ever earn a 99 rating on Madden. Jeff. Trent Williams. Correct. Who cares about Madden? That's <laughs> true. How much was that worth? 500. Oh, goodness. All right. Um, we can come back. What are the categories we haven't touched yet? All right, so we did one for the uh, defense category. Biggest bust, famous thus, and we'll touch a little on head coaches. Famous thus for 100. All right, this Hall of Famer caught the immaculate reception to lead the Steelers to a Super Bowl win over the Raiders. Jeff. Wait, hold on. Wait, repeat that again. I'm sorry. This Hall of Famer caught the immaculate reception to lead the Steelers to a Super Bowl win over the Raiders. Oh, I know it. I got Franco Harris. That is correct. Thank Franco you. Harris. How did Over okay. the Raiders? Yes. The Raiders were a powerhouse in the 70s. So, Jake, it is that your was board 100. now. That was, was 100? That? That was yeah, that was 100, yeah. Okay. Still very far behind. That's okay. You can catch up now. I'm going to go biggest bus 100. All right. To many analysts at the time, this quarterback was seen as just as good as Peyton Manning in the 98 draft. Oh, goodness. Jeff. Ryan Leaf. Correct. Yeah, no chance I would have gotten that. Hmm. Um, I'll go biggest busts 200. All right. This quarterback once famously promised his coaching staff that he watched the film that was given to him when in reality it was a blank tape. Jeff. Jamarcus Russell. Yes. Man, Jake, you're getting smoked over here. <laughs> I told um, you this would not go well. I don't know what you expected. Famous thus for 500. All right. This Pro Bowl special teamer caught the helmet catch to lead the Giants to a major upset to the undefeated New England Patriots in Super Bowl 42. Yes. David Tyree. Correct. See, many people Jake, know can the you can you player. like how many compete? points? How many points was that? Five hundred. That was five hundred. All right. I mean, so I don't know. It's going very well. <laughs> you know what, Jake? No, I, I have the score, but I'm not going to say it. All right. You know, what? I'll, I'll give it to you. You can choose the category now, just to I, make I won't it feel even raise a little my better. hand. I'll let you actually answer first. No, that's a bad idea because I'm really exposing myself because I don't know. <laughs> look, well, well, look, that's you're what not I want. you're not losing any points here. For guess, wrong answers. I guess you're right. Let's just go modern day superstars. I know we've done a couple. Uh, we have done three of them. 300 and 400 are still on the board. Let's do 300. All right. This player holds the NFL record for most touchdown passes by a rookie. Justin Herbert. Yes. Unfortunately, not your favorite Baker Mayfield. Um, so, yes, you have. All right. Let's go 400. 400. 400 modern day superstars. Clear out that category. All right. Let's do that. Andrew Luck, RG3, Ryan Tannehill, Brandon Whedon, Brock Osweiler were all drafted ahead of this Super Bowl winning quarterback in 2012. I know the answer, but I'm letting you go first. Go ahead, Jeff. Broncos country. Let's ride. Unfortunately, that is correct. It's not Russell Wilson? I said that is correct. Oh, Unfortunately, okay. okay. You are I right. heard unfortunately, and I just jumped to conclusions. <laughs> nope. My bad. All right, so we cleared out that category. Uh, we still have. All about the D, biggest busts, famous does, and head coaches. Um, which one did we do for all about that D? I forget. Uh, we did, if I can find it, we did 400. I'll do 500. All right. This longtime linebacker has more forced fumbles than Ray Lewis, more sacks than Junior Seo, and more tackles than Brian Urlacher, yet is not in the Hall of Fame. How? Ooh, not in the Hall of Fame? That is what everyone's wondering. Ooh. 
I don't know. Long-time linebacker. More forced fumbles than Ray Lewis. Oh, never mind. Never mind. You had your hand no, up. No, I, 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 I did not. Yep. Uh, more, te- more sacks than Junior Seo and more tackles than Brian Urlacher. Strahan, I don't know. Not Strahan. Uh, so... He's probably in the Hall of Fame, right? But he is not I, the Hall of no, Fame. No, I mean the guy that I'm about to say, but I don't have another guess. Right. Is it is it Dick Buckus? That is not correct. Okay. It would be Cleveland Browns legend Clay oh, Matthews oh, Jr. Right. Good. If it happened yeah. before I was born, guess what? I'm not going to get it right, guys. <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, Jake, I'll send it to you again. Uh, your board. Whatever you want. All right. Um, head coaches, I think we have 200 still we available. We did uh, 100. All the rest of them are still up there. All so right. yeah, Let's do 200 head coaches. All right. This is the only coach in the Super Bowl era to go undefeated in both the regular season and the playoffs. Oh, man. Like for one season? In one season, yes. Jeff. Is it Don Shula? Don Shula is correct. Yeah. Yep. Again, before I was born. I'm not um, all right. Well, we got a few more questions. Maybe you can redeem yourself here. Um, do you want to know the score? <laughs> I uh, do. Yeah, I think the fans do. Let's see. I, mean, I score? have the score. Jeff has 2,500. <laughs> okay. I have 600. <laughs> all right. Well, it's very I mean, fair. It's very fair. There have been, there've um, been better or uh, more crazy comebacks. When it comes to the history of sports, man, I'm just I'm clueless. For head coaches, what's the highest category we got left? All right, we hit, we did 100 and 200, so, so you I'll still do, got. I'll do 500. 500. This head coach who led the Eagles and the greatest show on turf, Rams, was just inducted into the Hall of Fame. Jake, you should know this. Wow. Dick Vermeil. Correct. Yes. How much was that worth? That was worth 500. Let's so the comeback oh. starts now. Let's go. At least let him finish the question. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. You know, what What was cool was uh, when we were at that Hall of Fame thing, I actually got to meet an offensive tackle who played under Dick Vermeil uh, when oh, I was did? interviewing some fans. So that was pretty cool. Uh, just a little little fun fact there. So, uh, Jake, go ahead. It is your board. Well, I got that one well, so let's keep it with head coaches. All right, 300 to 400. Uh, 400, why not? All right. The Chicago Bears honor this late coach by wearing his initials on their sleeve. George Hallis. Yeah, just yes, got his hands up. George Hallis is correct. Um, we still have one more under head coaches. Do you want to finish that one out? I mean, it's just yeah. board. All right. Do it. This Super Bowl winning coach for the Raiders was the first ever minority coach to win a Super Bowl and the first Mexican quarterback in NFL history. Jake. Wait. It... <laughs> John Uh-oh. Madden is the pick. Or... It is not John Madden. It predates John Madden, actually. Okay. It's Tom There's... Flores. Tom Flores is the answer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I heard head coach for the Raiders Super Bowl, and I was like, boom. Didn't hear I did too. And then he like said I said, they were a powerhouse right throughout the seventies and eighties. So. Um, what do we have left? Let's see. We got a couple exactly on famous does. Screen. We got awesome. famous bus still. Ooh, and let's all do one of those. The, the highest one that's left for famous bus. Okay, five hundred. Yeah. All right. While this two thousand two first overall pick is technically a bus, many fans give him the benefit of the doubt as he dealt with a terrible offensive line on an expansion team. It's David Carr. Correct. 2002 first overall pick was the key there. Was that 500? That was also 500. <laughs> uh, he is running away with the lead. We only have a few more minutes. Uh, Jake, I'll let you pick a couple more. I mean, you pick for me, Dan. How about that? All right. You know what? Let's do that. We haven't done much with famous does. Um, let's go to, hmm, we'll go to 400. The Cleveland Browns were one yard away from advancing to the 1987 Super Bowl before this running back would become known for the fumble. I'm not raising fumble. my hand. You better know this, Jake. 
I, I didn't know Clay Matthews. He might not know this one, but it's true. I don't and know. And no researching. I see you messing around in your computer <laughs> yeah, over there. No, I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. Well, you can't. You got five <laughs> seconds. Five, four, three. Yeah, I can't find. Two. I know he was like bashed by all of Cleveland. Ernest Biner. Yeah, yeah, he was. That was Ernest Biner. That is correct. We'll do one more. All right. Um, is that worth four hundred? Yes. Goodness. <laughs> we'll do I want one this more. hung up in this studio for forever. By the way, this score. Yes. I mean, if I win Final Jeopardy, don't I win it all? Isn't that how Jeopardy works? Or no, I mean, unless you wager everything, I'll wager everything. I'll give you. I'll okay. give you a shot. All right. Yeah, we'll do that. So we'll go with our last clue here. These two teams. Fa- Wait, no, we're not going to do that. Okay, <laughs> we'll do this one. In one of the greatest rivalries in the league, the San Francisco 49ers knocked out the Dallas Cowboys in the 1982 championship, led in part by this player receiving the catch from Joe Montana. Yes, Dwight Clark. Correct. It is Dwight Clark, not Jerry Rice, as many would guess. So, Jeff, you have a commanding lead. Jake, uh, you're a little behind there. But you can redeem yourself with Final Jeopardy. The category is... I'm down bad, everyone. Were you inspired to do this by Aaron Rodgers, Dan? Uh, no, I was not, Maybe actually. Maybe a Jeopardy host in the future. You know, that's it. that's not out of the question. You got the hair? I, I got the you're hair. You're almost there? Yep. It's so. 4,600 to... 1100 right now. All for right. Those who I'm are, wagering who are all wondering. of it. I'm wagering all, right. all of it. All right. So the final category here is who am I? So kind of like what we did last time, which was several weeks ago. I'm going to read off some stats and accolades. You have to guess who that player is. I was drafted in the first round. I'm not going to say the university because I don't want that to spoil anything. Can you say the year? I will. Okay. I'll say the university if you guys need a clue. Okay. I won't say the year. While in college, I won MAC MVP and Offensive Player of the Year in the same year. I am a six-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro. I currently hold the NFL record for most receiving touchdowns in a season. That should be a hint. As well as most receiving touchdowns by a rookie. Who am I? Julian Edelman. No, it is not Julian Edelman. Ah... If you don't get this right, I will send it to both you again. I will add in another clue. I'm just trying to think of Mac wide receivers. That's all I'm trying um, to do. So, as a rookie in the NFL, he has the most touchdown catches? Is that what you... Oh! Most receiving touchdowns. Randy Moss. That would be Randy Moss out of Marshall University, 1998 first-round pick. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, you you win Jeopardy. And uh, Marshall is a Mac team, man. Well, well they were at the they time. They were. Yeah. So, Dan, um, can you try thinking of questions from the 2010s? <laughs> I mean, come on now. I, all right, yeah, next time. I thought Julian Edelman wasn't a terrible guess. I mean. It's true. Yeah, but he's <laughs> he a wide receiver now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, better luck next time. Um, Jeff, you are the winner of this week's edition of NFL Jeopardy. So. Awesome. I am Let me honored. do baseball Jeff, Jeopardy no, next time. No, let's not. Jeff. Let's never do that. How about let's do hockey next time? That will uh, stump all of you guys. It might be worse, to be honest. I'll have fun pronouncing Pat, the names, and you and Pat can, can go wild. All right. All right. Uh, thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. That was a very entertaining segment. Uh, we're going to get into what I'm calling Jeff's final sports takes here. Uh, first off, LeBron James is the GOAT. I don't care what anybody says. It's not Michael Jordan. LeBron James, greatest basketball player of all time. And my next one and my final one, Ohio State will win the national championship this year. And it all starts on Saturday versus Notre Dame. Hope you're ready, Kyle, because I am. Um, So now I'm going to send it to you guys. Uh, It is my farewell show. So 
Any last words you guys have for me? Any last jabs or anything you want to get in? Feel free. Well, um, I guess to get on the more sentimental side of it, you know, when I first came up here to WZIP, you were one of the first people up here who I really took to. We became friends pretty uh, quickly, pretty closely. We had a lot of classes together, and we've just had so much fun up here in your time you up here. You and I were a part of maybe my two least favorite classes. Yeah, we, you know what? But we survived them. We did. You know? But what would it have been without each other? Even uh, I probably wouldn't have went. <laughs> Dropped out right away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't be up here still on his uh, last show up here for WZIP. But um, in all seriousness... It's been really fun having you here, and it's hard to, you know, wrap my head around the fact that you're graduated. But, um, you know, best of luck to all of you, or to you and all of your future endeavors, and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Yeah, I completely agree with everything Dan said, except for obviously having classes with you. That was not something we shared the honor of doing, but uh, we did show the honor of going on that infamous trip to Portland together. Mm-hmm. And what a wild week that was going to Portland on two, three days notice, dropping everything, classes, and flying out there, being super stressed. You saw the super stressed version of me trying to make our flights on time, trying to make sure we had seats on these flights. It was just a wild journey, but we went through it together. And really, you're just one of the most reliable members here at WZIP when I took over as sports director last year. So thank you for your part in making my job easier. Um, You'll certainly be missed in that aspect. Not having a a bracketologist that can flame for caring more about the accuracy of their bracket than the team they went to the college for is an absolute shame. Yes, he was rooting for UCLA at in Portland instead of our very own Akron. If it makes wow. if it makes it better, I wasn't like saying anything. I was keeping it all in my head, but that mm. is just for the sake of my bracket. Yeah, yeah. Which throw that out the window. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Well, anyways, I, I look forward to entering a new era in a way of sports power talk and seeing who the next Jeff Longville is. But, of course, I wish you nothing but the best in your future. Thank you. I appreciate it. Jeff, man, I remember as a freshman, I came up here and uh, I was told to go and train with a sports update. No idea what I was doing yet. I'd been up here like twice because as a freshman, again, I was completely online. You were actually up here with your dad walking around the station, and I remember... Uh, our director at the time was like, hey, Jeff, can you take Lo- – are you about to do a sports update? Can you take Logan in there and observe? And I did observe, and I was cool from there on out. Um, it's been cool hanging out with you, man. Uh, congratulations, and good luck in the rest of your endeavors. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Jeff, <clears throat> you were one of the first people that made me want to come around and stay at WZIP. When I first came to Akron, I, I wanted to be here at WZIP, but obviously with COVID, my freshman year, I was reluctant to come around that first semester – um, when I came around, I had met you and Kyle, and you guys were like the only people that I knew in sports. But getting to know you and the kind of person you are, you made me really want to stay <clears throat> here at the station and follow through with <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, doing sports, power talk, staying on the sports. Um, I know like there were a couple weeks when I first started that things weren't going so great, but you always managed to keep stuff light, keep me coming around, and I can't thank you enough for that. Um, you've definitely helped me grow into being the person I am today, and I can't thank you enough for that. Looking back those past, what, two years, two, three years? It's, Something like that, yeah. It's been a lot of fun, and I wish you nothing but the best with whatever you're going to do. Thank you. I appreciate that, guys. Um, and now I would like to say a few words myself. Um, I'm going to try to get through this as best as possible, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, today is a day that I knew would come, but I never wanted it to. 
What I'm about to say may sound bold, but it is true. Being a part of WZIP has been the best experience of my life. I went from wondering if I would fit in at college to joining an organization that accepted me and gave me some of the best memories of my life. I remember sitting in Dr. Mary Treese's intro to communication class as a freshman in the fall of 2018, and Juan Contreras, director of ZTV, came in to talk to us about ZTV and WZIP. When I heard Juan say that WZIP had their own sports talk show, Sports Power Talk, I knew that I had to be a part of that. So after class, I went and grabbed an application, filled it out, and turned it in. A little while later, I met with Chris Kepler, director of WZIP, and he told me that I was welcome to join. And I'm very fortunate to have been able to be a part of WZIP for almost the entirety of my college career. I remember the first time I went on air. I had written a sports update as a part of my training, and I showed it to then sports director, Cami Justice. After she read it, she said, follow me, I want you to read this live. I was nervous, obviously, but I sat down and did it. And little did I know that that moment would be the beginning of the most fun I've ever had. I remember going to my first media event, which was CAS Media Day in 2019 with then sports director Kyle Molinelli and being too scared to ask anyone any questions. But finally, I raised my hand and got to talk to Darius Garland. And since then, I've spoken to Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, Akron, and UCLA players and coaches in Portland when Jake and I attended March Madness this past year and even got to interview Antoine Winfield and Jerome Baker. And I know that while I've been up here, I've made my Ohio State fandom pretty clear. And that's not changing, by the way. But I've had the time of my life up here as a member of WZIP. And combine that with the fact that I have a degree from the University of Akron, I will forever be a Zip. There's some people I'd like to shout out. First is Chris Kepler for giving me the opportunity to be a part of WZIP. And for all that he's helped me with. Brenda Reichart. For all she has done for me as well as WZIP. All of my friends and family who have supported me these past four years. But a very special thank you to my father, Jeff Sr. My dad is a plumber here at the university. But he started off working as a custodian working nights. And he absolutely hated it. But he did it so that I could take advantage of fee remission, which happens if you have a parent who works at the university. This means that because of his sacrifice, I don't have a pile of student loans that I have to pay back. And that is something that I know that no matter what I do, I will never be able to pay him back. <laughs> so thank you, Dad. I love you. <laughs> Kyle Molinelli, for everything he's done for me, um... Casey Rush and Devin Lucas, even though I didn't really get to know you guys all that well, you're joining a great organization, and I have high hopes for you guys. Um, Alex Henry, Matt Pramuka, Marcus Anderson, and of course the four gentlemen who joined me today, Pat Weber, Logan Congrove, Dan Groen, and Jake Murren. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Um, going forward, 
I plan on starting my own brand where I want to focus on sports as well as mental health. I don't have all the details worked out yet, but now that I have moved out of my parents' house and I'm on my own, this will allow me to brainstorm some ideas and focus on building my brand. <laughs> so, once again, thank you to you four gentlemen. I appreciate it. Thank you to all you guys that have been out here listening to me these past four years and everybody that's supported me. I, If it wasn't for WZIP, I have no idea what would have defined my college career. And... <laughs> I'm not happy that it's ending necessarily, but at the same time, it's time to see what my next journey is, and I'm looking forward to it. And that will do it for this episode of Sports Power Talk. Check out SBT Rewind and SBTOT, available on all major podcast streaming platforms, and participate in Around the Rue. Once again, my name is Jeff Longville, and joining me was... Patrick Weber. Logan Congrove, Dan Groen, and Jake Murin. WZ, WZIP will be here same time, same place next week. And one more time from me, peace out.